Yes, you, you lucky sausage. You found the Talk Marketing Show, where the League of Marvelous Marketeers give up everything you need to be more successful in your business. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, Martin Henley, this is the Effective Marketing Content Extravaganza. And if you're new here, you may not know that I'm on a mission to give you everything you need to be successful in your business. Providing, of course, that what you need to be successful in your business is to know more about and be motivated to implement effective marketing which is of course what you need if you're gonna be successful in your business. So what we do here is we bring you the marketing news every other week, we review the very best and the very worst of marketing content on the internet, and whenever I can, quite regularly, I bring in a guest with experience that will be relevant to you if you want to be more successful in your business through effective marketing, and that is what today is about. So today's guest is a business graduate who has been managing marketing and sales teams since 1991. That's just a little bit over 30 years. In those 30 years, he has been national account manager for PepsiCo, general sales manager at United Biscuits, UK and UK sales manager for Walt Disney. Mainly what he's been doing is running his business, Push, which is a digital performance marketing agency that he co-founded all the way back in 2007. They run campaigns on Google, Facebook, Microsoft, Amazon, and TikTok, and are the only agency to have won awards from Microsoft and Google for six years running. What you may not know about him is that he is married to Sarah Khan, who you might know from The Apprentice and Loose Women, off the telly. Good afternoon, Stephen Hyde. Hello, thanks for the introduction. You are very welcome. That's that's becoming my favourite bit of it. I really like doing that, like researching, finding out interesting things about people. Are you there? Yeah, I'm still here. You're still there. Yeah, so I really like that bit. How is it being married to a TV personality? Um, it's had some. Uh, it's had some. There's been some fun games over the years. So when it first happened, she got when she was on the the Apprentice, the very first series. Oh, 15, 16 years ago, she got kind of whipped in, whipped up into lots of premiere events and stars, studied balls. And then I think after about two months, she got fed up with it. But she's generally, it's odd being out with her sometimes. She gets recognized, people come up and approach her, but we've just got them with it now. And she's kind of taken a back seat away from a lot of TV because it's, as you can imagine, it's quite a, a fragile um world that's uh that perhaps is not always uh, as meritocratic as the one we would like to work in no i can imagine it's like that i know a few people on the telly because i did a comedy course about 11 12 years ago and some of those people carried on and they're on those programs and i think it just must be a bit weird it must just be a bit weird is what i think um, but you were yeah. together before were you so you did yeah we, we met in uh at uh, about 20 years ago Okay. And McVitie's is a brand of United Biscuits, is it? That's right. Yeah. 
Yeah. So you've done like the FMCG. Is that what they are? Fast movable consumer goods, yeah. biscuits, and FMCG, PepsiCo. Yeah. I, okay. I sort of my my career is sort of into two sort of uh, two sort of eras, if you like. So I came out of university um, in '91 and and did what a lot of people want to do uh, when they do a business degree is go into marketing, work in FMCG brand um, and do that whole thing for, you know, I did that for the best part of 10 years, ended up as a, as a sales director at Disney. And then I realized uh, that I really wasn't right for that world. In fact, I had that, I had that feedback a couple of times, not that I wasn't doing well at the job, but people could see that there was something sort of gnawing away at me. And uh, that's why I ended up you know, pursuing and starting my own business. Okay. Cool. Excellent. And you describe it in one of the places I read about it, you describe it as a performance marketing business as being in the in performance marketing. Mm -hmm. That's interesting, because I don't think enough people still um, are particularly concerned about the performance of their marketing. I think people are quite happy to fly blind with their marketing. Yeah, um, it's funny you should say that because if I if I dig really deep about why we started push, um, in my old world, um, in you know working for brands like Disney and Pepsi and so on, um, I'd come across a lot of um, advertising marketing agencies, uh, and the the impression that I got from a lot of them was that they were not massively performance driven. Uh, there was a lot more that kind of counted as being a, a big deal. Um, and, and when, and when um, actually, there's a story, sort of a story related to that, which if, if, if you like, I'll expand on. So when I was at, uh, when I was at Disney, I was, I was actually told off by my um, managing director at the time. She told off, I use that term loosely, but she was, um, she was concerned that I wasn't spending enough time with some of the key customers and spending too much time with one small one. And the big customers that she wanted me to spend more time whining and dining were HMV, Woolworths, and WH Smiths. And the company that she thought I was spending too much time on was a company we now know as, as Amazon. And at the time, it had about a 4% share of Disney's, um, Disney's sales. But I could see that the data they had behind them was going to be immense in the way that it drove um, their performance. So um, I kind of got frustrated and um, wouldn't say quite threw my toys out of the pram, but I, I certainly, I, I was quite exasperated the way some agencies work. Now, that old phrase, you know, in marketing or advertising, I know that half of my advertising works, the trouble is I don't know which half. It kind of, that stopped being a thing once Google came up with um, Google AdWords or Google AdSense and the whole advent of digital was, um, really corrected that so you really could tell you know where you were getting the returns it became much more measurable and predictable and uh, it revolutionized marketing in many respects but it didn't take everyone with it there were a lot of companies that um, a lot of marketeers that i remember having their heads stuck well somewhere um, and they just didn't change they resisted change they they kept on we used to hear things from big brands that would say things like, you know, about remarketing. So remarketing just, you know, I'm sure you know, but for, for people that don't, it's when you, you go online, you see something, might be a pair of shoes or a coat or a 
cooker and it follows you around. Um, we work with one big cooker brand and I remember them saying, we, well, that's not our brand. We don't, we don't want our adverts to be seen by people reading the Daily Mail. And, uh, and we said to them, yeah, but these people are coming to your site looking for a range cooker. They're then going away and they may well be on the Daily Mail. So by default, these, these are Daily Mail readers. Just happens to be that we're we're re we're reserving your adverts to them, and it's working. Look at the brochure downloads. But yeah, there was a lot of resistance in the early days. Yeah, and it seems to me that this is like you say exactly like you say. This is the opportunity provided by digital marketing is to know what what you're spending and and how it's working, and and it's not perfect, but it is the opportunity. Do you know what I mean? That is that is the opportunity. And I teach digital marketing is what I do for, for money. And when I talk to people about this, I say, you know, it was John Wanamaker who came up with that saying in the 1850s. Um, and I say, if, if someone were to come to me from, from a team of mine and say that in 2022, we would take them into the car park and dispense with them. Do you know what I mean? Because that's not the point. And, but before digital, everyone was quite happy just to fly blind. And this is where this idea persists that marketing is just a, an expense that you do away with as soon as things get tricky. Do you know what I mean? People don't seem, still don't seem to understand quite what marketing is and why it's yeah. so important and and the, the cost of it and why it's so important to drive performance and efficiency and results. Kind of blows my mind a little bit, I'll be honest with you. Yeah, me too. So yeah, we're, I'm, 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 I mean, I, I always learned that. So I, you know, I, I did my degree in my, I kind of went back to university late. I went out and worked, went back to university when I was 22 with a bunch of 18 year olds, uh, because I could see at the time, this is the end, the, the end of the eighties. I could see that it was, I was finding it hard to get jobs in marketing because I didn't have the right kind of qualifications. I didn't speak in the right way. Um, so I went to university, even though I'd gone and got I'd already got a Chartered Institute of Marketing diploma, but it wasn't worth as much without a university degree. So I went and got a university degree, and then the you know the the, the sort of all the all the right sort of job offers came along. Um, but I've studied marketing a lot as well, so I've studied marketing probably the best part of six years at like degree level. So um, I kind of know my way around it. I really like sales as well. So you know, I mean, I hadn't prompt, I hadn't, I've, I've got these as visual. Not, they're not on standby. This happened to be next to me here, but I've got, you know, Kotler's book of marketing and one I remember from way back when there's advertising made simple, which I did on a BTEC, believe it or not, so long ago. But so I've always been interested in marketing and advertising. Um, and I've always, you know, I always learned that, uh, uh, that it, you know, it's not to be treated as, a, as, as an expense. It's central to the way that you run a business. It, it should become the driving force of your business in every respect, because it's about trying to understand the, the customer at the end of the day, customer, the consumer, and really understanding what it is that they need and want. A hundred percent, yeah. It's about understanding a market. And for me, I think, I mean, I define marketing as sales and marketing as finding or attracting, winning and keeping customers profitably. And that for me is what being a business is, you know. So if you if you don't have that, you might get extraordinarily lucky where you have two clients for your entire career. That that might happen. 
but that's very rare. You know, if you're in business, you should be in the business of finding and winning and keeping customers profitably. That's that's what I think it is. Okay, good. So it sounds like we're singing from the same hymn sheet, which is good. So we don't have to argue very much. Um, right. So we'll bring some order to this, if that's okay. Um, yeah. You know there's only five questions. You've forgotten what the five yeah. questions are already, but I will remind you that's yeah. okay. Um, so the five questions are, how are you qualified to talk to us about the specialism of your agency is digital advertising? So how are you qualified to talk to us about digital advertising? Who do you work with? How do you add value to their lives? Um, what is your recommendation for people who want to get better at digital advertising? What should people read? And who can you throw under the bus who might endure or maybe even enjoy to have a conversation like this with me? So question number one, how are you qualified to talk to us about digital advertising? Okay. Um... So uh, I think uh, a number of levels, really, because I'm, I'm sure, sure, like you, you, I, you see, there's a lot of people out there um, putting themselves out as experts. Some of them are, you know, not not that being young is a bad thing, but some of them are experts without a great deal of um, backup credibility. Um, I think, I think, what, you know, what I have first of all is, 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 you know, I've got the academic side of actually having studied marketing and learned you know, all of the, all of the things that you can learn in the corporate world about what goes right and what goes wrong. But then I started from scratch in 2007. Um, I started uh, my own digital advertising agency. Well, actually, that's not true. But what I started with one other guy was a web design, a web marketing business. That's what it was called. And we were doing everything. So we were doing, in the early days, even though there were only a handful of us, we were doing web design, search engine optimization, some social management, email marketing, some graphic design, and of course, PPC. And it was the PPC bit that we were really attracted to. Um, and that that's what customers kept on coming back to. But I guess the thing that kind of, you know, sets us apart now or makes me, I hope makes me um, reasonably credible is that we, we, we got onto Google's radar in about 2014 and 15 as being one of the fastest grow, growing agencies in their portfolio in terms of the way that we were driving up spend. So we they they obviously, they look at a thing called, they call it SSG, same store growth. So let's say I've got, let's say you've got an agency and you've got 10 businesses that you're working for and I've got an agency and I've got 10 businesses that, I'm looking after they're looking at how quickly the agencies get more spend out of their clients so they could see that this what was then you know relatively smaller agency in, in tucked away in west london was really ramping up the spend so it would take over a client and their spend would ramp up quite quickly over three to six months now you only do that of course as you know um either if you've got some either if you've got something to, to hold them, to keep them to that, to contract, which we didn't. But it, 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 as you know, the real reason is, is because people can see the return that they're getting. They, once they understand that the returns that are coming through, they keep on investing more and more and more and more. So that's when we came on Google's radar. And to kind of sort of, I think, finish off the question on, no, I'm sure you'll ask me more. And we've built within digital, we've built top level relationships, um, 
not only with Google, and we've got an, an NED from, from Google, who's the head of Google EMEA um, for five years on our, on our board, but not only with Google, but also with Microsoft, very important, often, often underestimated, um, with, with Meta, uh, with TikTok, uh, and probably, to a lesser extent, Amazon. Um, the support is not quite as strong, but we've got very strong relationships with those four and uh, those big four. We, we are constantly looking at how we can, we can take what's coming from them, coming the road, and implement that in, in digital advertising across, across all our clients. Okay, cool. So I think what's interesting, like there's a number of things that are interesting, but the thing that's interesting to me is that... Um, Somebody told me in one of these conversations, a digital marketing person, that digital marketing was marketing. Google say Google first. Like when I teach people, I'm always interested to know who has some marketing experience or some marketing idea, because it seems to me that then what we do is we just apply that to digital. You know, digital is just a, a set of new rules uh, or, or new tools um, to apply those things. So I think yeah. the academic is really underestimated. And I think the science is kind of under, underestimated. And before digital, the science was probably the psychology. You know, I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't have asked a better question, really. I mean, the psychology is really important. And I remember even back in the, I'm sure my age now, but in the late 80s, early 90s, doing my degree, you know, they, one of the things that was said was, said was um, when you look at um, segmentation of, of, of how, so how, how, how a lot of lazy companies, um, you know, this is kind of before the internet, uh, would segment their customers would be just quite simply on demographic, geographic, you know, they'd look at ages and they look at postcodes. But what was said then, and it was in, is in the Kotler manual, which was the best way of segmenting is on, and I remember the phrase because it always blew me, it was on psychographic or seg, uh, psychographic or behavioristic segmentation variables. In plain language, because market, marketers, I don't like to, but some marketers love to make things sound complicated. But in plain language, as you know, what that is, is saying, you know, market to people depending on how they behave, not, not on the fact that I'm going to be a, you know, a white, something bloke, I'm, you know, you can't just market to me with my. Oh, I've got an example here, actually. Not having brought this up, but with my. This is a woolovers brochure because it thinks, well, I'm I'm 50 and so on. I am wearing a wool jumper, but a lot of their designs are not what I want. But what you've got to do is look at what what am I interested in? I'm interested in snowboarding. I'm interested in, in outdoor sports. I'm interested. I've got two young kids relative to my age. So you start looking at people's behaviours rather than just their demographics. So psychology is is really important um in understanding um, marketing and if you like economics psychology all of those sociology they all play really well into understanding marketing and how to make digital work because as you suggested it's in some ways there's a load of new language around you know there's a lot of three-letter abbreviations cbc's four ones roas and all that sort of stuff but it comes down, you can't move away from the classic, the classic funnel, you know, of understanding people, how you, how you segment groups, how you play messages to those different groups along their journey, 
to become more engaged with you. So I think um, I think sometimes marketing is is a bit like that football quote. It's a it's a simple game complicated by thought. And I'd say the same with you know the same same marketing. It's it, it can be it's actually relatively straightforward if you start off trying hard to understand your customer base. Yeah, I would 100% agree with that. And it was kind of, I, I started a marketing company in 2005. I'd been working in sales for 10 years. So I kind of, and, and I was one of those um, canvassing salespeople. So I'd always done my own marketing in the way that salespeople can. So that's how I kind of learned. And then I was a little bit annoyed, I'll be honest with you, 2007, 2008, 2009, when all of these social media marketers crawled out of the woodwork and had absolutely no idea how to engage anybody. Do you know what I mean? But they knew where all the buttons were on these social media platforms. And um, and I think there's too too much of that going on in the world. I don't think there's enough consideration put on the really interesting things. So to take your, for instance, um, PPC, I think, is perfect marketing. You know, that's the formula. You you yeah, spend yeah. so much per click. You need so many clicks to get an inquiry. You need so many inquiries to get a sale. You know that's the most formulaic form of marketing there is. And in that instance, you can you could be forgiven for just giving up on the psychographic or the caring or knowing anything about your customers. You know they look for the thing, they find the thing. Except, of course, I would say that that understanding of your customer, like being the thing that they're really looking for at the point that they want to buy something, is is the added bit i don't want to say the secret source because i don't think there's secrets um but yeah that's what i think i think digital i think it's i don't think it pays enough attention to to some of the good stuff that was that went on for the hundred years before there was digital that's kind of what i think yeah i think there's 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 some there's some truth in that and certainly um i resonate with your comment about social media how many people became social media experts um and you know of course you go through different eras don't you in even in this even if you want to isolate in this digital digital world you've got the the era of social people talking about social media and suddenly you know, had accountants like looking to try and get you know x thousand face x thousand facebook likes and, and, and no one was asking the question like and why am i doing that <laughs> Is that actually doing um, yes and, and and there was a lot of um i i'm like you i mean uh, i i i get frustrated and i actually get quite agitated when things are are missold i mean i think the reason that we ended up focusing on ppc was because i mean we never when we, when we started the business we didn't want to have we didn't want to have customers that we weren't getting results for um, that we couldn't say, you know what, we've done a great job there. So I'll give you an example. I don't, I don't mind. It's so long ago. I don't mind quoting it. We did some work for NatWest Bank and um, we did some work. They paid us very well for some conversion rate optimization work. Uh, this is back about 2008 or so, uh, but they net, we had, it was actually really simple work that we did very revealing and there were some clear improvements which you could which everyone agreed that if they implemented them it even like three of the top 10 we recommended it would make a massive difference to their business uh we got well paid for it and then they didn't go and implement it because because it got caught up in some political bureaucracy within within the business um and that that in itself is it's actually quite it's demotivating. Even if you've got a good rate out of it, a good rack rate out of it, you, 
and took it just it was it was you know not very nice at all to be in that situation so um you know it by default we ended up being going after the kind of business that we knew we could make an impact on um because it just it's not just about the money i know it's so cliche but it's not it's about saying you know what we've done a bloody good job there um and you know, and it, it, I wouldn't even say you do a good job because you want to get more business from it. You just do it because it's the right thing to do. It's the way I've been brought up. Is you, you know, you, 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 you deliver. You, you deliver what you, you say you're going to deliver. Um, so yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. And so, what do I think about that? And I think rather than businesses being run by data or metrics it's so often run by egos and especially the marketing bit like in the marketing bit everyone feels like they just get to do what they want to do do you know what i mean like i mean that was my big frustration i would go someone would see me speak they'd invite me into their business i'd blow their tiny minds they'd engage us the next time i go back they're the world's leading expert on marketing and they only want to do this and they only want to do that that was always my frustration um and what i want to say about that it's yeah, I think it's too ego driven. And I think like you say, it's overcomplicated by idiots. Like just do <laughs> do like learn the market and give the market what they want. That's what that's what I think. There's um, not there's not many Don, not not many Don Drapers around. The people, you know, if you watch Mad Men, the people that really got their finger on the pulse. There's a lot of wannabes that that, that will come in and it's frustrating as well when let's say you've done a really good job for a client. And the numbers absolutely tell that story. And then you get, we get, we used to get this all the time. And then a new person comes in and they bring in their new, they've got new ideas, bring in their new agency and they're, they're, they're breaking something that's already, they're, they're fixing something that's not, doesn't need fixing. It's already working perfectly. Yeah. That's very frustrating as well. We, we see, we've seen a bit of that over the years. Um, and yeah, you can do a, um, there's a lot of different discussion around where some of the best people are relative to, you know, kind of clients and agencies and all the rest of it. But um, yeah, we've had a lot of frustrations over the years. And a big part of our job in the very early years was actually educating people, which was weird. So in, in the sense that we're, we're getting paid a fee, but when we look at the hours that we spend on a particular customer, quite a lot of that time is spent explaining what it is we do. I mean, the old, the old page would be someone would up and say, I can't see my ad on Google. It's like, oh, you know, just you could explain to them why it's not actually serving for them and all the rest of it. But um, there's a lot of that um, has been at the forefront of, of this, uh, of this sort of model of digital. Yeah, 100%. And I was saying by the end, I stopped like in 2014, I was saying by the end, it felt like I was spending 90% of my time motivating people to do the right thing. Then I had 10% of time to actually make something happen. And then you're back for another 30 or 40% trying to explain what's happened and why it didn't quite work out the way everyone was hoping. Do you know what I mean? It's because I'm sitting here all day, every day, just trying to convince you to do the right thing. I mean, that's a huge, I think that's probably the biggest challenge in, in providing marketing as a service is actually getting the opportunity to do the right thing that's what i found but you've obviously nailed that because you've been on this now for 15 years well yeah you, you, 
you've reminded me of something. So in the early days, people are looking around at some of the marketing books I've got here. But in the early days, myself and Ricky, who founded the business, we came up with a phrase or an acronym for a client that we thought would end up working with us. And we used the word B bud. So what was that? B, the first one, well, I'll go in reverse order. D was for decision maker. Um, U was a very big one, which is urgency. So the clients, the ones that we were most likely to close as inquiries were people that actually rang up you know, and said, look, I'm spending whatever, 10,000 pounds a month, 20,000 pounds a month on Google, whatever it might be. And it's not working how it used to work. So the urgency was a big one. The two bigs, one obviously is budget, you know, some people having some sort of budget. A big one was the, the, the first one was believer. They had to be believer. Um, we didn't want to be, and we were in the early days, we were in the early days actually trying to convince people that we should even be doing something um, like the, that we recommended, Martin. So just real, real simple things like, you know, remarketing campaigns or, you know, display campaigns that we could see were working. Um, but yeah, that's been a real, real bane over the years that we've had to, that. Uh, obviously, the market's moved on now, or it's moved on, but we're still in a zone where we're trying to convince certain people to do things. So that's shaped the way the company's grown up. Um, and one thing I would say um, is, um, you know, it kind of it relates to the types of businesses that we work with. There's some we can't work with and some that are absolutely perfect for yes and i think that was that was my issue is um i'd i was never in a position to turn any work away because i started with nothing and i ended with nothing basically so and i had a lot of uh, mouths to feed so but i think that qualification i think that understanding who you can help and who you can't and actually being in a and the only way you get to be in that position is just by doing it do you know what i mean and suffering for a bit um i think that's the key to being successful um what was the other thing i want to say i want to say you're selling google but your attitude is very different to google because my experience of working with google is they can give a shit if your campaigns are successful for you or not they really are only interested in like you said they spotted you because you were driving up revenues um so that to me sounds like if you were very interested in the success for your customers but they weren't. I wish they were more interested in, this, in, in their customers being successful. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure that that, I mean, I'm, I'll, I'll disagree in, in the relationship we have. I mean, they, they genuinely do help us a lot. Um, and we're one of the lucky ones that will come on to calls with our customers if there's particular issues or challenges. Um, they will share information or data from um, from from similar verticals, so I found them, um, the support we've had from Google has been very helpful. But I do recognise that not everyone has managed to have that, so it is quite polarising. Um, we became in their top. I don't know. I mean, for for sure, but we were very high up in their top five European spenders. Um, in in the channel group, so we had some. We were putting a lot of money their way, so we could get a lot of support. We continue to put a lot of money uh, to to Google. So I would say the support we get from Google, in terms of um, answering questions, knowing what's coming down the line, is good. 
but it is one of those it's quite polarizing as you if you're not it it wasn't like that for us in 2010 and it wasn't until we got to a certain critical mass that it really started to come on and and, and back to your point as well about having to take work that's that's a real that's something we face as well so very early on you know when 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 you've got a ppc contract from somebody who's maybe paying you whatever thousand pounds a month your ppc contract and they say can you do websites as well and you think our oh, websites are a pain but you know it's quite a lot of revenue in that so we we did in the early years from 2007 to 2012 we took on pretty much anything within that kind of like what i'd go full service of digital and it was 2012 that we took a decision which in hindsight with my business partner ricky that drove it it was a question in my mind we 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 almost shut off all other new opportunities for all those other channels and just took ppc and we spent a lot of our own money on the phrase adwords agency ppc agency you know all of those terms and we went double down hard on that and then the overall business grew the and the share of our business that was paid advertising um, services grew from about a third to about two thirds within a year but that was quite a, it was a bit of uh, insight from ricky it was also probably just a bit of timing because it was if you remember 2008 we had the recession the credit crunch and by 2012, things were just starting to open up again. So I think we just got the timing right. Yeah, it's interesting to me how many, I mean, I've spoken, there's like these agency hub type things. Like there's there's agency support agencies now, you know. Um, and it's amazing how many marketing agencies don't invest in their own marketing. Do you know about that? Yeah. <laughs> do you care about um, that? Back to your point as well. well. I do care about that. Yeah. I mean, I I am back to your point earlier. Um, we've um, we've recently tripled our spend on on our own marketing and advertising. So in the last, I think we were going to talk about this, and maybe it's a separate question uh, or point. But we 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 um, you know in the face of what is um, a recession or recessionary environment, we've increased our advertising spend ourselves and we we've increased the size of the sales force. So we are we are very much um, doubling down on 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 future growth. Um, and to your point earlier, I mean there, there is very clear evidence um, from loads of studies that anyone that cuts back in the recession is counterproductive. Now's the time to be really if you've got a solid business and you believe in it, Now's a great time to be increasing your advertising. Yeah, I think that 100%. I think, you know, all of the stuff they say is true. More millionaires created in recessions, all of those things. Like everyone else is pulling back. Businesses are going out of businesses. Their customers are looking for suppliers. You know, I think 100% this now is the time to be driving hard, you know. I did this really barnstorming presentation in 2008 about when the last recession hit and I was saying all of this stuff. And um, the thing is, the British economy is like the teacups, like if you compare it to rides in the funfair, do you know what I mean, normally. And there's very little opportunity in that. So it's only when it really gets much more exciting and becomes much more like a roller coaster 
that there's real opportunity, you know. So I think 100% these are the times when um, people should be investing 100%. Okay, so the last thing that I'm interested in then is, and you may not agree with this, uh, but you don't have to, it's okay. Um, it's not getting better, is it? Like I remember, I started my business in 2005. So when we started on PPC 2006, 2007, it was literally like turning on a tap. It's like, do you want some customers? Here they come, you know, and oh, you've got enough customers. Let's just slow it down a little bit. And it feels to me that it's much more, much less, much more complicated. And I don't know if it's much less effective. I mean, I've dabbled a little bit, but nothing serious in the last kind of eight years since I stopped running the agency. I've got a couple of clients and occasionally we'll think, We've got some money. Let's put it on ads. Um, is it is it getting better? Is it getting worse? Is it getting harder? Is it getting? How is it evolving? That's what I'm interested to know. This paid digital advertising. How is it evolving? I could talk for hours on this. So you're absolutely right, Martin. In the early days, and where we we take on them, we take on graduates regularly because it's the best way of. Um, getting smart people and training them up and when when they when they join push we give them an induction we talk about the different chapters of how life has evolved at push in one of the one of the chapters in the early days we talk about how we made lots of people millionaires um, and actually it was quite it wasn't that difficult um, to do um, there's no question that it's become a lot more complicated um, to the extent that I think, um, and this may come on to another question, but if I were to start again now, you know, it's very hard to have, um, to start with a small agency with say, you know, whatever, uh, 10 people, um, because now you need really to, to, to work with any client, you need good in-depth knowledge for several channels it's not just about in the past you know it was google the only show in town in 2014 even you know we started um, at the same sort of time uh, as you did uh, in 2014 you could still it was google was the, the absolutely dominant category um a dominant channel but then you've obviously got the emergence of meta um, indeed, Microsoft uh, are very significant still in, in, the, in the global market uh, and even more so with some of the deals that have struck recently. Then you've got, of course, emerging channels like TikTok. So we've, we've run campaigns um, for TikTok um, clients over the last, over the summer, which have been had staggering results compared to where Meta have been in terms of like cost per acquisition or the cost of getting a sale. Um, so... Um, it isn't easy. It's a long time since I've managed or opened up a PPC campaign. So I have, you know, we have people that do that. Um, it's, it, it, it is more challenging. I think where it's going, though, I think this is your question, is the skills that are needed now, um, it's, it's far more important now, um, more than ever, to really understand our customer base and their, their kind of the way they make profits. Again, much more we, we encourage our team to have very strong commercial conversations with their customers. So they're understanding, you know, how, how they can build their growth over the different channels 
whether it's you know Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, or whatever it might be. Um, so that's one thing. The other thing that I, is almost contradictory to where we started is creativity and 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 if you like the visual image becoming far more important. You know, we could have built a business in the past just built on clicks from text-based ads, but now you know we've 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 invested a lot in. Uh, in, in creative people, uh, we've taken on our first TikToker at push. Uh, we've got a videographer, so that's important now. Um, in uh, in a world where you know Google is controlling a lot of the um, uh, a lot of a lot of the way the campaigns perform. So um, you're right; it's not as easy as it once was. But there are things that you can be doing to to try and alleviate that and make the most out of the situation. A hundred percent, yeah. And I early on, I spoke to a guy who's a brilliant, brilliant YouTube ads guy, um, and he was saying with what's going on between Apple and Facebook, um, Facebook particularly rather than the whole of Meta, is that like Apple are basically cutting off the data. So it's going to go all the way back to it's going to be about the strength of your creative, the strength of your targeting, like not just demographic, but like you say, psychographic. Um, so it feels like it's kind of coming around full circle. Um, lots of people are touting now um, display ads on Google as a replacement for what was going on on Facebook. Um, Facebook, I read today, they've lost half the value of their shares this year. Um Google are also, it seems, in trouble in terms of laying people off and uh, having a not particularly good run with their share price. So, yeah. See, this is where it comes to me, whereas I think if they were just a little bit more interested in their customers, these should be the corporations that would be leading us out of any kind of recession. You know, they've got access to the market. And if they were, I think if they were more interested in delivering that value, delivering customers to businesses in a really cost-effective way, then I think I'd be more ex I'm more accepting of them. I've got issues around these things. That's what you'll you'll, you'll learn about me, Steve. Yeah. Don't worry about my well, issues. I suppose if I were if I were Google, I would be saying, you know, in the, in their in their defence, for example. I mean, this is probably a um, this is a this is a threat to agencies rather than to um, necessarily businesses. Um, uh, it's a threat and it's an opportunity. So the performance max tool um, does, in theory, make um, advertising many businesses um, uh, easier to do for themselves. In, in theory, um, they, they probably do need some help from, from from agencies. But I would say, yeah, that they. I mean, obviously, it's a tech company, but it's. They are looking to try and make advertising easier for for clients. They don't want people to get bad results or bad returns. They want them to get good returns. So I think that that's the drive behind performance maxing is to try and stop wasted money and get money spent more sensibly. But now I I, I, I get I get I get your point um, that you you've got to get the points that you're making. Um, certainly looking at the future. Um, you know, anyone in e-commerce is going to, you know, if they've got a product that, that should be on Amazon, um, that's a question for them. But Amazon advertising is is going to be enormous. I mean, it already is very, very big. Um, and, um, and and Apple 
obviously, you know, a brand that we would never have really considered a, a brand that made money from advertising. Apple, um, it's Apple's own ad platform will become very, very substantial indeed. So I think the the biggest business that's under the most um, the most uh, is likely to lose, if you like, if that's the right word at the moment, is Meta. I think Meta's really losing out to TikTok, um, which is rising very fast. I mean, I think uh, Zuckerberg describes them as the unique competitor. Uh, they are they've moved. You know, TikTokers in my lifetime. I've seen, you know, the emergence of lots of different forms of marketing, but TikTok, the speed at which it's taken up and the results that can be driven from it are incredible. So um, it's quite a quite, you know, quite strong platform for the future. But like I say, if you're in it, anyone in e-commerce should be looking at Amazon advertising and uh, equally keep your eye on, on what's going to happen with Apple advertising as well in the future. Yeah, I think 100%. I really do think Facebook have lost their way. And it seems to be like when they brought the algorithm, like I remember there was a time where I would sit down and I would scroll and I'd be reading until I started reading something that I'd read before. Do you know what I mean? And I could be there for 40, 45 minutes before that happens. Now I don't look at it for weeks and I will be reading something that I've read before within two or three minutes, you know? So I think they've, I think they had the most amazing thing and I think they kind of broke it. And then the trouble with these tech companies is they're not great listeners, are they? They, they really do run their businesses um by ego i think rather than by <clears throat> the metrics and i think it's a shame um are you ready for some good news go on then yeah i think you are eminently qualified to talk to us about digital advertising thank you yeah. <laughs> you're very welcome it's always a bit tense when we get here because one day someone's not going to be qualified and they're not going to have to have a kind of short conversation <laughs> So let's go to question number two. Question number two is, who do you work with and how do you add value to their lives? So this is really, you know, who, who is getting the best value out of digital advertising? Okay. Um, so I'll, we'll, we'll roll with this. I'll try, I'll try and answer it in a number of different ways. So um, first up, broadly speaking, uh, two different types of customer that we might work with. Um, one is e-commerce customers that there's a sale at the end of it. The other is, you know, what we call lead gen. So that's somebody who wants a form filled, a phone to ring or something to happen, but there's not necessarily a sale. Uh, before the pandemic, about 35% of our customer base was e-commerce. Now it's more like 65, 70% uh, e-commerce. Um, we... In terms of scalar business, you know, who do we work with? Uh, we work with, um, if you look at the, 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 the wider business market, we work with virtually all businesses from very, you know, very small with very modest spends, you know, perhaps $500,000 a month, all the way up to hundreds of thousands of dollars a month. We don't work with enterprise clients. Um, and I'll explain why shortly. But the big thing that we're looking for with anyone in terms of like, who do we work with and how, how, do, we, how do we work with them is we work with businesses that can move fast. If, they, if we recommend something and we, uh, uh, we take ownership of their campaigns, we don't want to be told two weeks later that someone needs to approve all our ad copy or 
they want to, you know, they've got to sign off on all our display ads. It doesn't work like that. We, we are expected degree of control and working within brand guidelines, but speed is of the essence in this market. Um, absolutely vital in a marketplace where things change so quickly. Um, and, and, and that kind of leads on to think to how, how we add value. So, um, well, certainly one aspect of it. So there's this, there's this rule of rule of thumb and there's data, there's evidence for it, which is this, and that is the, in a marketplace where, or in a world, let's just move out of advertising, in a world where technology is advancing at an exponential rate, organizations are typically adjusting much more slowly at a logarithmic rate. Now, there's a guy called Scott Brinker who coined the phrase Martex law, which is the gap between marketing technology and um, um, and the speed which organization. So the gap, I mean, I'm going to use my arms badly, but the gap is widening. As time moves on, um, the gap is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So I often explain, you know, to our to our team when they're when they're when they're looking and they're in the, in the detail and in the weeds of what they're doing, whether they're running a Google campaign, a shopping campaign, they're working with with something on YouTube or whatever. I tell them their job is to understand that gap for our customer, explain where the identify where the opportunities are with the channels, and and to make the most. Um, of, of that relationship. So typically what we're looking to do is to find the best channel, whether it's Google, Facebook, Instagram, all the others that we've talked about, and allocate our clients' money to those channels to get them the best return. That's what that's what we're supposed to do. If we don't do that, we don't keep the client, uh, they'll, they'll go elsewhere or they'll stop doing things altogether. Uh, and the way that we that the, the, one of the most important things that we need to do to make that work is to stay ahead of what's coming because there's a there's a, a rule of thumb which is the quicker that you try the new stuff, uh, the more likely it is that you can keep your average cost per sale, per lead, per click down. If you wait and wait and wait and see other people do take on those new initiatives. You'll be, you know, you'll be a, a you know, late adopter or whatever you want to call it, but you won't be quick enough to realize the benefits. Because you take, for example, as an example now, in TikTok advertising, there'll be businesses out there that are procrastinating and wondering whether or not it's right for them, uh, even though the customer are on TikTok and there's a good story for them. But they'll wait, wait, wait. And by the time they go in and get their advertising agency gets this app together, It'll be June next year, and the costs will have gone up in that particular channel by whatever sixty percent, whatever it might be. So, in the meantime, their competitors will have gained a massive advantage by jumping in, um, learning what's working, building up their knowledge base, and starting to to really exploit that new channel. So, the, the big thing we do is learn fast, implement fast, and move to get to get our customers the the, the returns they want in the, in, in the channels that we think are fit for them. Uh, there's loads more on that, but that's kind of in, in essence what we're, what we're, what we're doing. And we, I think, I think there's a bit about um, taking responsibility. Well, um, we don't, uh, 
we 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 do expect to be judged on performance. You know, we do expect that if we don't get the performance right for a customer, that we don't you know we don't we don't we don't warrant them being attained by them. The big thing that is um, difficult at the start of the conversation is but is how you set an expectation about what they should what they can get out of their money, their marketing money. So that's a that's not as easy as it used to be. Back to your earlier statement, Martin, around you know, in the past, you could you could spend you could see that if you spend twenty thousand a month on Google for a particular customer, you get Z thousand return. You, it's not as easy, but there are still ways you can make some good good solid predictions. Yeah, and I don't know if this is true. It's more a feeling that I've got is that because everyone's everyone there's a war going on right now for this short video attention started by TikTok. Um, Instagram want to catch up with Reels. YouTube this week, I think, have just made uh, a, some, a number of announcements about rewarding creators more for shorts. Um, I think the, what the platforms do is they reward the early adopters. You know, there is, there is it seems yeah. always to me, a much better opportunity at the beginning of these things than there is at the end. I mean, that's maybe that's just too obvious for me to even say, but it does seem like now... If you were to invest in reels, you'd stand a much better chance of doing better on Instagram than you would if you were investing in photos still. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah, very, very true. Um, it's it's truism. I don't think it's gonna go away. Um, for those of you that can't see an image of me, I'm I am I am someone that has, is is basically shaves their head because I don't have a lot of hair. Um, we work with a a hair transplant company um they started off with three clinics we started off with just google campaigns but what we were able to do over over a spread of about a decade is constantly adding new um new channels like at the time i mean facebook started to work very well for them youtube advertising as well but the speed at which we added the new stuff made allowed them to scale up from about three clicks to about 30 and it's it's very hard to it's very hard um, to show people the evidence of the claim that I've just made um, for all sorts of different reasons because you're not you know, it's like you're not really getting a true test. We're often using you know you're often, you're often using one business on multiple channels without fast. But you, you know you're right when you say feeling, sense, intuition. Um, I would say belief. I believe strongly. That the quicker, and I believe that there is there is real evidence out there that the stronger and quicker you go into new channels, if you do it in the right way, um, the, the the more likely you are to succeed um, in in the long term. Okay, um, and then the thing that's interesting to me is that these platforms aren't all equal, are they? They're delivering different things. So I would say that. PPC, the opportunity of PPC is to put yourself right in front of the right person exactly when they're looking to buy. So that would be much more about generating sales, where some of these other platforms aren't as direct to sale. You know, it's more about you're hitting them earlier in the buyer journey. Maybe you're building awareness and those kinds of things. So, but people tell me that people will buy directly from a Facebook click. And now I've spoken to people who are saying that people are, they're getting better 
they're getting better sales conversions from display ads than they are from PPC ads, which frazzles my mind. It shouldn't be like that. Um, so I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I think it's how we all define everything because I think if you think pay per click, you know, uh, rather than search. So certainly if you look at that funnel, you know, you, the funnel, at the bottom of the funnel is some is someone that's gone on and put, I don't know, um, buy, you know, the best, best, um, best trail running or trail running shoes, you know, for Gore-Tex trail running shoes. But further up the funnel, you know, in terms of like someone like, let's say, take someone like me that runs, that perhaps isn't aware of the particular brand, Further up the funnel, you'd find me looking at maybe on TikTok at you know certain runners or certain exercises for runners, uh, or if, or maybe on Facebook or Instagram, I might be looking for something similar. And there, they're able to build up a profile. Oh, this guy looks like he's into running, um, and 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 that's where you might start to serve up. So lighter content around, well, this is the this is the smartest way to you know to, to trail run without injuring yourself, something like that. So broad, so at, at that level, the cost per click, um, at those higher up levels with sort of display ads and beyond, are a lot a lot lower. And the further down the funnel, the closer you get to intent, the more comp competition there is, and the more likely it is to cost. So broadly speaking. It's um, it's a bit like that phrase. You can have one. You can have two of any three. You can have it fast. You can have it cheap. Uh, you can have it well built. Um, and if if you you can pick any two of those three, if you if you want it if you want to want it fast and well built, it's not going to be cheap. But if you really really want it cheap then you, you, it's not you know it's typically by default it's going to be it's not going to be fast so yes. one of the things we encourage people that are you know really challenged is over the long term is to build up a pipeline or a funnel or fund multiple funnels where they're where they're really nurturing those customers that's the way you get to ultimately you know the lowest cost per click uh, if you like, or those cost for acquisition, let's describe it that yes. way. Uh, yeah, I 100% agree with that. I mean, like the people who are looking to buy right now and searching on Google who haven't been impressed by anything they've seen anywhere and made a decision, you know, there is only so much of that. And I suppose exactly like you say, you have to invest in nurturing the rest of them along the line. It feels to me, and I'll tell you why it feels to me like this, it feels to me like it's got to the point where if you're not on the tools every day, it's really hard to manage these campaigns on these platforms. And I'll tell you why I think that is because people have told me that. But also, I've done a little bit of advertising. I want to promote this channel. I mean, the idea is that I want YouTube to pay for my um, retirement because... Um, I really don't like them. So I think there'll be some real justice in them paying for my retirement. And so I want to promote this. So I spent a little bit of money with Google and it wasn't very much money and I didn't get any um, value at all. But I didn't care because, you know, basically I'm thinking, well, this gets me the opportunity to speak to someone. They can tell me how it actually works. It's been an absolute nightmare. Like I can't, no one wants to talk to me about this, you know, to the point where I got I, on a call today with somebody 
and I didn't want to I didn't want to confirm my account because I'm looking at them on the camera and it looks exactly like it might look if you were if it was a, a scam out of one of these Indian call centers you know it's um yeah so it feels to me like it feels to me like unless you've got full-time internal resources doing this for you you need an agency I don't I don't think this is something that you can manage effectively yourself unless you're on it full-time yeah you're right um I think back to the point you made earlier in the past I'm going to use a crude example but in the past let's say you and I were partners in a double glazing business in uh, I live in Oxford uh, offices in London but let's say we had a double glazing business with three showrooms around London the southeast in the past you and I would have had a conversation we worked out which one was a bit more um, computer savvy and back in 2009 I could have probably gone on and put together um, a rudimentary campaign around you know double glazing and you know, all that sort of conservatories and targeted at you know it around London the southeast and we probably would have done okay out of that now that is really difficult to do um, a big mistake I, I see a lot of businesses do is they think they they see the costs of an agency and they think well you know I'll sort that I'll get someone to do it I'll get an intern to do it or I'll get someone in, you know, in-house to do it. It's just, I mean, I'm gonna get I'm gonna throw some numbers out there. But if somebody came to me now and said, I've got a business like that, a double glazing company with, with seven showrooms around the southeast of England or something like that. Uh, we've got, you know, we, we make a lot of money, we're a multi-million pound company, loads of employees, hundreds of employees, putting conservatories up and down the southeast. Somebody said, Right, Steve, I understand you understand, you know a bit about digital. Um, my boss wants us to get one person in the company to run all the digital campaigns. I'd say, well, that person doesn't exist because that person needs to know about Google really well in depth and Meta and probably the other channels and probably a little bit about SEO. I mean, you'd be saying if that person really did exist, the skills they're at, they're at marketing CMO level. You, you, might, you wouldn't be paying someone 50 grand to do that. You'd be paying someone way into six figures to try and do that job for you. So by default, they end up, you know, you're, the, the, the choice they often have is to use an agency. Where I think it is really challenging in business, and this is across the world, this is the UK, where it's challenging is that there are, if you look at the, the pyramid of businesses, and I'm you know, starting with the very, you know, the ones at the very top, the, the, the masses of spenders on Google are people that are spending way less than $1,000 a month. And there isn't anything out there there isn't an agency you know an agency to do anything that is meaningful um and uh, and um, and we've we've been working at this for years to do anything meaningful it's very very hard to get um anything for say you know three hundred dollars three hundred pounds a month that sort of level it's very very hard i mean there isn't a service out there where you can say well i'll spend 99 quid on this service um and and uh, to manage my 300 pound a month google advertising it just there isn't anything i would recommend um at all 
And so a lot of businesses get left out. They can't, they can't, um, they're too small to afford an agency and they're too small to, you know, they don't know, they don't have the time or the knowledge to work. And the, you know, the typical person at the other end of the phone at a Google or a, or a Meta is not going to have the level of knowledge that an agency has. And of course they've got, you know, slightly different agenda because they're obviously only promoting one channel, but they're not going to have that knowledge to be able to really help that, that person. So loads of people in the, in the small business sector, um, there's, there's, there's a lot of examples for they go in, they try something, they speak to Google or whoever, it doesn't work. Um, and they, they get burned and, and that's a real, real shame. Um, it, it's, it's, it's a hard zone to be in. Um, but it, it, and it, and it may, it may greatly change and we're certainly working hard. Um, we've developed our own software and tool, um, which, does help smaller businesses, but it still needs our involvement. It's not, it can't be run on its own. You can't just say, hey, list of customer, here's that tool, just use it on your own because they'll, 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 they'll um, burn their money and it, it won't work. So it needs our, it needs our help and support. Um, and that's a, that's a problem, not just in the UK, it's across the globe. Bit of a ramble there. No, I, I agree with you 100%. I think it's got to the point where, when I teach AdWords, when I teach Google Ads, whatever they're calling it now, I tell people Google's after your money. You know, that's like the, that's the lesson that I want them to take away is that Google wants your money. And I tell, I mean, I've had people go away from like a day's PPC training and set up AdWords agencies quite successfully. And I tell them you have to be religiously fanatical about making sure what it is that you want and putting in the hard yards to make sure you get that because... If you let it slip and you are a small business and you let it slip, you know, Google will eat up your budget in a second. That's that's what they want to do. So that's always my recommendation for people who are doing AdWords specifically. I mean, I've never even spent... You see, I'm one of those cynical old people. It was so good, man. Like 2005, 2006, 2007, like there was still organic available. Like you could still rank a website. You know, it was so good. And now, I, I mean, I'm not a big fan of corporations. Maybe that's why I couldn't be in it these days because I couldn't be putting money in their pockets all day, every day. I think as well, what you have to, uh, I mean, uh, one thing I would say is that, um, you know, corporations, they don't, they don't set out to, 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 do, to do the wrong thing. It just, it's just like it's the nature of large businesses and organisations that they end up in a certain place and sometimes it's not what they in, in, intentionally um, wanted to be, um, but um, yeah, uh, it it did used to be a lot easier. Um, uh, it's more difficult now. And like I can say, I could talk very passionate about this about you know what kind of businesses can be helped and where they should go. I think one of the biggest myths is that you know you can get someone in house to do to do a, a certain job for you in a world where the channels that you might need to engage with your Googles, your Facebooks, your Microsofts, and so on, are more complex. Um, and to give you an example, when you said about how you have to be hands-on, we've been doing this for years now. But in my old world, so when I was in the kind of like FMCG, consumer goods world, we'd get training um, maybe once 
every six months you go away for two days sit in a hotel and get learn about the latest you know whatever approach to negotiation or approach to you know some some sort of legal aspect of, of business so it'd be a you know three or four days a year our team trained even if they've got five ten fifteen years with they are trained every week for a minimum of around two or three hours on new products and new techniques so it's constant we used to do it every friday on a friday afternoon but it's now it's but it's it's really constant and relentless and, and that you know that might be someone learning about google campaigns or or indeed any of the other platforms but yeah you can't um, you can't uh, you do need you, a lot more expertise is needed generally um yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, I agree with that a hundred percent. I mean, I wouldn't. Yeah, I did all these things when it was simple. You know, I used to stand up and show people these tools. This is how you put a campaign together, like all of them. Um, you don't talk about LinkedIn at all. Do you? Do you get on with LinkedIn? Do you do much with LinkedIn? <laughs> yeah, um, it's funny you should say that because I mean, I do. I do look at LinkedIn regularly. Um, more, I know I saw recently that they'd, it was once the most trusted social platform, but it's dropped to second. I find that LinkedIn, for me, this is a personal point of view, um, I find that it has changed and that I, I'm getting, uh, I get about five new contacts a day to me and they're virtually it, they're virtually all trying to sell something to me. And for anyone out there that, 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 that tries this, they're all doing it really badly, Martin. They'll, they'll be like, oh, hi, Steve. Um, be great to connect. And I think, well, why not? Let's connect. Yeah, no problem with that. Um, I've stopped. There's certain companies I won't connect with, but that's another conversation. And then, and then two days later, you get, hi, Steve. Um, we do whatever. Search engine organization. We do this. We do IT support. We do that. We do finance. We do. I'm a fitness guru. You look like you know. You get all that stuff. Like any chance we could get on a call for 15 minutes? And you, and you think no, I can't. Not because I I'm not a rude person. Um, and I feel like Martin. I feel guilty. I get so many people that connect with me. And back in the day, again, we're talking back in the day, five years ago, if someone connecting on LinkedIn, I'd, I'd be horrified at the thought of not replying to them on a message. But I can't now because I get. I mean, for one, I get so many messages. For two, the second reason is, whereas in the past it used to be people looking for me to help them or, or, or have, it's virtually all people looking to sell to, to me. And, um, and this is for anyone, and I say this to our own guys as well, they're also, they, they, they do it in a bad way. They'll, they'll, for example, they won't actually look at what we do. So we'll get people trying to sell us PPC, for example, or we'll get people trying to sell us uh, other services like lead generation services, and they haven't really understood. And then you get the new tactic where they'll look something on your website and say, oh, I see you've won loads of Google Awards. Well done, that must be really hard work. Da, da, da. By the way, to do, do, are you interested in IT support? Um, by the way, would you like to outsource to, you know, wherever? Um, so it's, I'm, I'm almost at the point, uh, Martin, where I'm gonna, I'm gonna go on and put on my LinkedIn profile something i've written it out actually i just haven't sort of bitten the bullet yet or and 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 said right i'm actually gonna do this and it kind of goes along the lines to say look i'll connect with you 
but don't expect me to. I can't answer every message. Don't try and like guilt trip me that I hadn't answered the message because, you know, and it, it's frustrating because one in every 20 will be someone that actually could do with our services and actually is asking. And then I, I kind of might miss it because I'm just hazed over with all these people contacting me. Yeah. So what I do do is, um, is I put quite a few videos out there on LinkedIn um, just talking about stuff, whether it's particular sectors, little rants here and there, um, talking about what's happening in our world. And I just do a quick, you know, 40 second video, put it up on my phone and then just post it out that way. So that's useful sometimes. But yeah, um, don't get me started on people selling through LinkedIn. It's really badly of it. I think I had the worst one the other day. This guy, fitness guy, um, connects. So I connect with him. And then the next thing is like, thanks for connecting. People are always swinging and they're doing a lot of swinging. I'll swing by in a few days with something. Do you know what I mean? I'll thank you. <laughs> There's a lot of swinging. So there was one the other day and I said, that's too much swinging for me. Thank you very much. This guy connects and then he wants to send me his PDF and I don't want his PDF. So I say, look, you know, happy to connect, but please don't be spamming me. And then my professional headline is like expert at motivating and educating business managers and owners, blah, blah, d digital marketing. And then he came back and he's like, oh, you really motivated me. And it's like, okay, thanks very much. I'm canceling the connection right now. And he's like, well, you beat me to it. The thing is, I think this is what's missing like from our day. It's like I was for those five, 10 years that I was mainly on the phone. Like I became expert at getting myself in and out of situations. Do you know what I mean? Just having a bit of grace, not upsetting. Do you know what I mean? That the manners that, that you had to have to do it are completely gone now because we're doing it digital. Like they're not seeing a face, they're not seeing a person. Do you know what I mean? They'll say, I don't know, whatever. Anyway, I could rant about that, but let's not. Okay, uh, so question number three. We've got seven minutes remaining. Are we still good? Yeah, yeah, we're good. Okay, super cool. Question number three. And if you could keep this brief, like to a minute or two, because we'll chop this bit out and put it on TikTok. Um, what's your recommendation for people who want to get better at digital advertising? I would recommend for anyone that wants to get better at digital advertising is to focus on the, the latest and fastest growing channel and to really build up their knowledge um, in that channel uh, and dive in. So in that case is actually TikTok. Um, if you said to me now, I've got a bunch of people who want to start a new agency or they want to be a digital consultant, I'd say just focus hard on the, the fastest emerging channel and, and milk the hell out of that. That's great. A great recommendation. And are all businesses do, because it's just kids on TikTok doing silly dances. We all know that. Um, so um, is it all businesses that are doing well on TikTok or? Well, it's not all businesses, but I, you know, I wouldn't say, I'm not, I'm not going to say that I, I'm the only one that coined this phrase, but I did, I did come up with it originally. And it's like TikTok. Remember when you thought WhatsApp was just for kids. Because we all thought WhatsApp was for kids, and we all thought Facebook was just for kids, and then it became it cohorts into the others. So we are seeing. I mean, of course, it's a young, uh, a young um, cohort on TikTok, but there's a lot of other business, a lot of other uh, older groups that are coming onto TikTok now, just like they did with WhatsApp, just like they did with Facebook and Instagram. So yeah, businesses aren't doing well, but it is typically um, it's a lot. It's it's still still relatively easy to get results where you're targeting a slightly younger audience 
Um, you know, I wouldn't be doing saga holidays just yet on TikTok, but I bet they, there will be a point where that comes. I mean, I genuinely do. That's maybe the metric is like, how quickly will, will, will saga be on, on TikTok? Yeah. I'll give it to uh-huh. you. Yeah, a hundred percent. I also think that, I mean, everyone, everyone gets to these places in the end, I think. And, um, yeah, I think there's a lot of people leaving Facebook and so, you know, they'll be picking up a lot of those people. Okay, cool. Question number four. What should people read? Is there something that you read that had uh, left an impression on you? Think there's something that's it's important that marketers are reading? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of books that I I read uh, generally. I mean, a mar- for a marketing book, um, there's a book called They Ask, You Answer by Marcus Sheridan. Um, so that's a really decent book uh, to read. That's uh, that's probably of the, of the marketing books I've read in the last five years. That's one of the best ones. So there's another book I'm looking at my shelf. But there's another book I've read called um, Pitch Anything. Um, yeah, Pitch Anything by a guy called Claff. That's a really good book as well. So if it, that's for people that are pitching. So um, those are two. And then... Um, and if, if you just like more personal development, that one's good. The Daily Stoic Journal kind of keeps me and keeps me grounded and not uh, running away with my, uh, you know, any kind of self-importance ideas. The Daily Stoic. So that's Excellent. Good. Cool. That's it, for- that's it, is it? Yeah. Well, that's those, those are the books. I mean, I've got plenty. I do. I mean, I, the other thing I would say, I mean, it's a good question. Um, I mean, I'm glad you asked that question because I... I see the people that do generally excel and get on are people that read and keep learning and developing, um, and they're, uh, they're always hungry for more. In fact, you know, quick, very quick story: we do, we we have a small team that help us um, in Noida in in in, in Delhi, um, about seven people. When my business partner Ricky visited the, um, we were looking at outsourcing some some tasks. When we when he visited. In fact, I came across this guy, his name's Nitin, and the guy had built a company from nothing. He, he, worked his da- he worked on his dad's farm, built the company up to about 300 people. And when he walked into his office, Nitin had, in his office, he had five of like the eight books that we always recommend people to read. You know, like the classic ones, like Seven Habits, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, all those sorts of things, you know, that kind of get people in the zone think and grow rich all that sort of stuff but what's what i keep on what i say to my kids and to people that join us is just never stop learning keep keep learning um and you'll see a real difference the people you know the the kind of the difference between those that are happy and successful and sometimes those that aren't is just that just that attention to actually carrying on learning to carrying out carrying on learning and improving yeah a hundred percent it's like they say, every good idea has been written down. You know, you don't, you, you know, you just, you just have to go find it. And it's interesting because sometimes it's like books. Some younger people, it's like content should people consume. You know, maybe they're not reading books, but the ideas are all out there, I think. And what's important, like your, if it's three hours a week, you're training your guys. That's in, that's an insane amount of education that's going on. What's that? That's 150 hours. That's three months training they're getting. No, is it? It's three weeks training they're getting every year. You know more a lot yeah and we take them away on you know classic days away and stuff like that as well so it's a lot of training good excellent 
thank you for that. I will link to those. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start framing this as the International League of Marvelous Marketeers. So this bit will also go out on the TikToks and the reels and those places as reading recommendations. So yeah, hopefully we'll get people reading. So how are you feeling about your experience of being on the uh, Talk Marketing Show? It's been really good fun talking to you. Uh, you've asked some great questions. You've, I mean, we, we, didn't, we didn't talk before a great deal about the questions that you might ask, but they've, um, they've, been, they've been easy to answer for me. And I think I can answer them with a real degree of conviction. I'm glad you didn't go into any detail on how to run PPC campaigns because you're <laughs> snooping them pretty quickly. Yeah, I, I oh, honestly yeah. think people need to find oh, and somebody oh, knows how to do it. <laughs> yeah, it's not like I run one of Britain's one of Britain's biggest PPC agents. I mean, that's genuinely true, and that perhaps there is a. Um, I mean, we've got seventy people, but that that tells you something that 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 sometimes businesses can't grow because the owner just stays hands on all the time, and you have to you have to take the leap of faith to move on and start trusting other people. That's a that's a real lesson in itself. Yeah, that's what I think. I, th I think the business owner is always the brakes on the business. It all goes on within, if it all goes on within what they're comfortable with, then that 100% is um, limiting, isn't it? Okay, yeah. good. The reason I asked you how you felt about this is because now I'm going to ask you to throw a couple of people under the bus. So you should find it easier given that you've enjoyed this. So who, it works, the way it needs to be is it needs to be people that you can introduce me to in the way that Ben introduced me to you, or he didn't quite, he told me I should get in touch with you and I did that. Um, so who do you think might endure or maybe even enjoy to have a conversation like this with me? So one of the guys I think um, would be really useful is a mate of mine um, who runs a conversion rate optimization business called Conversio. Um, his name is Paul Wilkins. He's a lovely bloke, um, worked out in India at some stage, worked for lastminute.com. So he's got loads of experience. So when you go into that, what makes you qualified? He's going to he's gonna fill your boots up, really, with his qualifications. Um, uh, so he, he'd be my lead sort of choice, I would say. There might be some people I could talk to you around that might talk to you about other aspects like search engine optimization or so on. But I think Paul would be my go-to person. Okay, fantastic. Is there anyone else, one more person that you could throw under the bus? We've got about a 50% hit rate. So if you give me two, the odds uh, on me talking to someone you've recommended will go up. Can I have a think about it and come back to you? Because I don't want to just throw... So it's not that I don't want to throw someone on the bus. I throw people on the bus all day long. But I just want to find the right... I want to have a think about it, get the right people so that, that you get the best value out of it as well. Okay, super cool. No, that's absolutely fine. I trust that you will do that. Um, so what we'll do now is we'll say goodbye for the benefit of anyone who's still listening. And then I'll press record and we'll say goodbye like uh, normal human beings. Um, but I have thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this. This has been really interesting and really useful. It's kind of confirming what I thought was going on. You know, I've not been in the game for the last eight years. But it's interesting, you know, I am interested still, I am teaching, I am kind of keeping tabs. So it's kind of confirmed a lot of what I felt. And um, I think, you know, you're doing good work. Like the world needs businesses like yours to intermediate for Google and Facebook and all of these companies. 
because they're not very good at doing them themselves, I think. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're very welcome.